welcome to the Forge Leadership Podcast and to our first episode of 2018. Happy New Year! And we start the new year off with a great interview as Simon Barrington is joined by Dr. Dave Landrum, Director of Advocacy for the Evangelical Alliance, as they speak about Christians making a difference as leaders in the public sphere. So today on the Forge Leadership Podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Dave Landrum. Uh, Dave has been Director of Advocacy of the Evangelical Alliance since uh, 2011. He says that he's passionate to see Christianity make an impact on society by being at the centre of political, cultural and economic life. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Simon. Good to be here. <laughs> cool. Dave, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you first recognised that maybe you were a leader or you had leadership skills and giftings? Well, I I come to faith about 25 years ago now in a little Baptist church in North Liverpool, a place called Bootle. And from the point of meeting Jesus, uh, I went on a strange journey through academia um, uh, in which God seemed to be equipping me and skilling me uh, for his purposes in all sorts of different ways. <laughs> um, some of it I was aware of and some of it I was less aware of at the time. But what I found was that God has placed within many of us, maybe all of us, the capacity to lead. By And by lead, I mean change things, move things, see things realized. Um, but it's up to us to develop these capacities or anointings, however we want to... Um, frame that and sometimes he just takes us out of where we grew up from out of where what we're comfortable with and stretches us to be able to do that so I, I mean my awareness of leadership I'm in a leadership role now at the alliance it was a slow organic kind of thing that developed over years and uh, he's still doing it cool and what were some of your early experiences of of leading, I know you worked for the Bible Society and worked in Parliament there. What what were some of your earliest experiences? Well, I already had experience of leading because I used to run a builders a building company up in Liverpool and across in Germany as well, and so I, I kind of had experience in in that realm. When I was at Bible Society, uh, well, I was I was in uh, higher education and uh, was leading various projects there, and teaching is a form of leadership, I do think. Um, very well uh, recognized or um, rewarded but it is a form of leadership so I was doing some teaching and then at Bible Society I was doing Bible advocacy work in Parliament for about 10 years and that involved working with uh, the MPs, the peers and the Christian policy community and people in government etc etc and they're all leaders you know they're all types of leaders people who are uh, capable of they're starter finishers and their ideas people and you know MPs in particular are classic generalists they know a little bit about everything and can get things done which is uh, a remarkable um, skill set really um, so I learned a lot in there about leadership as well and the fact that Christianity is synonymous with leadership um, because our God is a leader himself Wow. And uh, in your current role, you're heavily involved in leadership and run something called the Public Leadership Programme. Tell us, what, what's that all about? Well, yeah, the Public Leadership Programme is something that we started a few years ago now um, in, in, in response to what we see as a strategic priority for the church going forward. You know, 
we have been challenged as Christians about our role and place in society and the legitimacy of that through the sacred-secular divide and other uh, arguments and the sort of onset of secularism in different ways. And what we've realized is that if, you know, I run a, the public policy work at the Evangelical Alliance and we deal with a lot of stuff that's coming at us from parliaments and assemblies around the country and um, through the media and everything else. And what we realized is if we didn't have leaders out there in society, in all areas of society, that firefighting, that public policy firefighting, it would just continue, you know, ad infinitum. We would be on the back foot permanently. And the way to really change a culture so that we're dealing with less of this uh, uh, public policies, uh, these problems, is to have leaders in that culture people of God who are being salt and light and are intentional about leading change. So the program, it's been described by our public policy coordinator as a 70-year program. But if you if you want to change culture, you've got to think big picture and you've got to think transgenerationally in terms of the strategic focus you have. And I think we're doing that quite well. And I think we're developing resources and networking people in the way that is seeking to deal with this strategic priority for the church. And there's also, of course, a strategic priority of, you know, young people. Young people want to change the world. They It's, it's in young people to want to change the world. And I think it's beholden on the church to give them a biblical basis or framework from which to do that and to do it well and to be really effective for God in that. Um, we, should be, we should be throwing petrol on that, not water. Um, but there are all sorts of other theologies out there that could divert them in all sorts of different ways. So a biblically based, um, theologically rigorous uh, theory of change is, um, I think, really important for young people at this time. And do you think Christians generally have shied away from engaging in leadership in the public sphere? And, and if so, why? Um, and how can we change that situation? Well, I think there are a number of reasons. I think it has happened, yes. I mean, if, I think if you look at the past and the uh, the expectation that Christians would lead in public life in some way, shape and form, and where we are now, then you could say that that's down to secularization, uh, the, the process of secularization in our society. And I think that would be true to a large extent. But there's also the fact that the church, as much as anyone, has bought into this idea of a sacred secular divide. The fact that, you know, the decisions that affect everybody's lives should be left to the atheists among us, while us religious types should just meet at weekends in gothic refrigerators, average age, deceased. And I I just think the kingdom of God is a little bit more uh, dynamic than that. Two other things I would add to the reason why we haven't been engaged in a leadership like we could be are complacency and uh, fear. I think complacency has to do with things like apathy and laziness. We, you've just got to name this. We're just not. We don't, we've not wanted this enough. And fear. I mean, that's to do with comfort and status. And to be a leader in public life, in a countercultural way, it, it comes with a cost. And not many people want to do that. Hmm. And do you find that churches are generally getting this, um, or is there a big mind shift yet? to happen i think you know in in my church for instance we we do celebrate doctors and nurses and the nhs and people working in in different spheres but maybe that's not true 
right across the piece. What what do you find as you look around the country? What's the general kind of atmosphere like? I, th- I think I think your church is probably unusual. I think most churches still miss the point that God has within the body people who He has gifted and anointed for roles in life more generally beyond the church walls and that that is something worth recognizing celebrating and support and i think many churches miss that it's a mixed picture from the churches that we engage with and we engage right across the whole spectrum through the alliance there there seems to be a, a growing recognition that people do have roles beyond the dog collar if i can put it like that they do have value but I do think it's beholden on organizations like the Evangelical Alliance to keep messaging to the church that the kingdom of God uh, extends through people who receive it and demonstrate it in every walk of life. And, you know, we talk often with the public leadership program about developing a culture of public leadership in the UK church. And what we mean by that is, you know, this is something that we just do automatically. Culture is normative. It's what is ordinary. And, we want to see the church as a leader voice and young people, young Christians in particular, just assuming that they should lead, will lead in some way, shape and form, whatever God is leading them. So that's the aim, that's the aim of that. I think the church is getting it, but it's slow and we need to keep pressing on. And do you think we don't have a very well worked through theology of work? Is that part of the problem that actually we we you know we 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 bemoan people who haven't got enough time in the evenings to go to church meetings and <laughs> run volunteer programs and and it's almost like you know work is the distraction that's paying the bills rather than a, a godly calling of of high status that we want to celebrate is that is that part of the problem? I think it is part of the problem, and you know I'm particularly um, taken with some of the fantastic resources that. London Institute for Contemporary Christianity have produced on workplace ministry and understanding that the workplace is a missional sphere as much as anything else. Uh, They've got some fantastic resources in this. But I mean, just to be clear, we don't uh, restrict public leadership to the sphere of work. People can be public leaders in uh, communities, in as students, as children, as it doesn't have it doesn't have a boundary of just work, but work is a very important part of what public leadership is. Um, it's fu- and it's funny again because you know you think about the Protestant work ethic, we get something of the value of work <laughs> clearly because I, I do think that's a, a reality in the church, but we just don't seem to make be able to transfer that into a theological acceptance, as it were that. God wants to transform the whole of life in every possible way to conform to his pattern for our relational priorities. Now, culture is often defined by symbols or words that we use. What are some of the symbols that maybe need to change in our church services or some of the words that we use that need to change in the in the language that, that we're using? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I, I guess... Different churches use different symbols and different words. Um, I think there's a there's something to be done around the word mission and how we understand mission. Uh, now, primarily, and we would fully support this as the Evangelical Alliance, we're here to introduce people to Jesus. That's our USP. That's our raison d'etre. That's the one thing we could do in the world that no one else can do. But alongside that and related to that, We're called to be salt and light in society. 
for his glory and for our healing. We're called to receive and demonstrate the kingdom of God like a trailer for a film. And I guess if we can develop a language that shows that 24-7 we are Christians and not just on Sundays, if we keep hammering away at that one, I know Derek Tidball done some great work on that many years ago, and Oz Guinness has written on this as well. If we can keep hammering away at that, the fact that we are a Christian 24-7, 365, and that matters to God that we're a Christian, wherever we are, wherever he's taken us. And our lives are not our own, and he can take us where he wants to take us. That's another thing. Um, that would be wonderful. I mean, and it does happen in, in various places, but I think it needs to happen more extensively. And what can um, church leaders who are listening to this uh, do in their churches to start changing that? culture what, what can they what can they practically do how can they practically help change that culture practically they can engage with our wonderful public leadership resources at the evangelical alliance and <laughs> and invite us to come and speak about this stuff and invite you okay. to come and speak about leadership and start in, engaging in the conversation around leadership you know one of the scriptures we use uh, in relation to our public leadership um, work is uh, 1 Corinthians uh, one twenty six, which says, brothers and sisters, uh, not uh, not many of you were influential, not many of you were of noble birth when you were first called, but God took the foolish things of this world. And we've got this example in the early church of God raising up people to positions of influence uh, to shape and change things for God's glory. It's right there in the early church. And if church leaders can um, recapture that, recapture it that would be absolutely wonderful and celebrate it celebrate people who are leading and are uh, making a difference intentionally and this is the this is another thing there was a book published a few years ago by james hunter davis uh, to call to change the world where he talked about christians uh, being a faithful presence out in the workplace well i'm sorry but i think the kingdom of god is far more dynamic than that i think we're more than a faithful presence i think we should be actually a subversive presence in many ways and countercultural, and that requires intentionality and i think that's a key word if if pastors and leaders could start talking about being intentionally leaders in our society in our spheres in whatever god has placed us it, that changes everything we're not there as passengers we're there as drivers I think that's a key message yeah and and is there more that um church leaders can do in their churches to support people in positions of leadership i i i sometimes it kind of you know when i've been in leadership um in a charity or business it's kind of felt like well we'll support you if you step into a role that's in leadership within our church but we're really not sure where to go in terms of supporting you in your leadership in your in, in outside of that well i think the first thing is to listen to the, these leaders listen to their experiences and try and understand the world that they're in and what they're trying to do support them support them with uh, biblical resources look for the resources there are lots of books out there now on, on, on leadership and the sort of theological framing of leadership and pray for them. i mean obviously people need to you can't get enough prayer in in positions of leadership because the higher you go the more pressure you take on the more prayer you need and celebrate them i think there's something about recognizing the fact that people are leading within a congregation within the body of christ that then pulls everybody else into that 
leadership into that life and and gives them a stake in uh, in praying for them and supporting them and understanding them as well fantastic now stories change things don't they for people when they hear stories of people leading well in the uh, public sphere what kind of stories have you come across as you've been doing this work that will inspire people about what what what's able to be achieved and uh, the change that's happening as Christians step out to make a difference in the public sphere Oh gosh, we've got, we've got, <laughs> we've been collecting stories and it's funny, you know, because God has got people as public leaders everywhere, all over the country. And a lot of what we're doing through our program is just pointing to it and saying, that's public leadership. It's a good thing. It's a God thing. Um, tell us your story. So we've got stories. We've got people on our, um, on our courses at the moment that are like a young woman who's studying global public health nutrition. We've got a, a, a young man who's started his own local radio show uh, and a local campaign. I've got a friend of mine who's a who's a, a pastor in Liverpool who's involved in comedy. And, you know, he's got a great story. He was uh, watching various people in his city who would be uh, setting themselves up as spokespeople for the church. And, you know, he said, I've never heard of these people. I don't know where they're from. Um, Why aren't they talking to real church leaders and real Christians in in the city? And I said, and he said that they're all there because of a little bit of self-promotion. So I had a conversation with him about why he should consider a little bit of self-promotion himself. He did got involved in a uh, local radio uh, sponsored uh, event they then done a front front page cover story on him in the liverpool echo and then he's, he's now on a regular a weekly radio program in liverpool and when things happen and they want a church leader to comment on it they go to him now because he was uh, intentional about it I mean, other people I could talk about, we try and get a spread shot across society uh, so that people can see themselves in all these different roles. We've got uh, David Smart, who's the chief superintendent uh, at the Metropolitan Police's Prevent Programme. He basically is the national coordinator for the Prevent Programme to sort of uh, deal with the counter-terrorism strategy in the UK. He's a Christian. He's a born-again Christian, an amazing man of God, and is seeking to bring... Uh, the goodness of God into that work in every way he can. Another one is a woman called Claire Pay, who's, who's a mum. She's a stay-at-home mum who was involved in the London Chamber of Commerce, uh, left to raise her children. But then, you know, leaders don't ever retire. She just moved into a different mode of leadership. She started blog sites, a blog site called uh, Mothers of Home Matter. She started a charity in Africa, uh, raising funds for solar power. Um, and she's a campaigner for mothers, and she does that from home while being a mother. She's a public leader. So, you know, the context shouldn't determine our leadership. Our leadership should be determined by what God has put in us and what God has called on us to. And um, you said earlier that uh, your public policy coordinator said it's a 70-year program. So um, generationally, what are you trying to do to to change the stories we're telling and what do you see happening amongst millennials and gen x and gen y in terms of uh their approach to public leadership and how can we change that well, i mean one of the most encouraging things we find is when we talk to young people they get this stuff they really do and they're looking for help and they're looking for connections they're looking for mentoring support and resources and uh, I think it's really, really encouraging at this moment in time. I mean, we're we're trying to help people uh, in terms of basic things like developing a biblical worldview. 
you know, developing communication and language skills to communicate that biblical worldview in a secular setting and often a hostile or apathetic secular setting. Um, these are apologetics, really, uh, for giving confidence to operate as a leader in public life. So, yeah, does that answer your question? <laughs> No, that really does. And it's encouraging to hear that there is a change happening down the generations, because I think lots of Christians would look at, you know, maybe what happened to Tim Farron um, last year, they would look at Christians being prevented from wearing crosses around their necks in in uh, the workplace, they look at an increasing level of secularism that is marginalizing. Christians and they say, "Oh, it's getting harder and harder, isn't it, Dave? You know how 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 can you help us within this um, situation? And what would you say to people who are who are more fe- fearful now because of those situations?" Well, it's funny that you mentioned Tim Farron because I'm off to to uh, see his Theos lecture tonight, and I've tried to help him write this Theos lecture, um, and hopefully it'll go well. I'm sure it will. Um, but, you know, he's a good example of what can happen if you try to acquiesce too much to the secular uh, hegemony that's out there, the secular dominance that's out there. You've got to be careful to be distinctively Christian in a plural public square. I think what secularism teaches us, if anything, is is that it's a totalizing creed. And if you give it an inch, it'll take a mile. So the, the first thing I would say is to just stand on the word of God. Uh, in terms of practically how you engage with this. Trust God to give you what you need. The second thing is courage. I don't think being a leader in public life, you can bypass this. Fear around comfort and status is what restricts the influence of Christians more than anything, I believe, in public life. So we need to get courage and we need to encourage each other. Um, I think that's really important. And then there's the life of the mind, developing a biblical worldview, developing knowledge and understanding of secularism, um, knowledge and understanding of things like human rights and civil liberties is actually also quite important as well. Just understanding the nature of these things because they frame the whole public world that we live in. And also accepting and not hiding from uh, the challenges that we have. We need to develop apologetics and confidence in addressing sexuality issues, identity issues. We need to address these things head on. We don't need to do it in a, an aggressive and nasty way. But uh, if, if we learn anything from the last 10 years on the situation we're in now with our public policy challenges is if you don't talk about these things, other people will talk about them for you. So... There's a real uh, challenge for all public leaders to stand on the Bible in relation to these issues and to speak with confidence. Fantastic. Now, you've recently um, produced a, a great resource um, for churches called Change the World. Um, what's that all about and um, what's it aimed at doing and how can people get hold of it? It's just got this small aim, this small objective of changing the world. Um, and, you know, we like to start low and see where we go from there. It, it's basically a four-week small group course that any church can do. It's at a very basic level. Um, this is more, it's not so much about training and skilling up people as public leaders. We have lots of them courses coming online uh, early next year. This course is about just raising awareness in the church that leading in public life might actually be a good thing. And even if people don't feel called to be a public leader themselves, it'd be really good if they recognized, acknowledged and supported 
people who are public leaders or are, or who are potential public leaders. So it, it covers things like, you know, God's creation mandate. What is authority in public life? How has God called us to lead in his image? Things like that on a week-to-week basis. It's really interesting. And the, um, yeah, the contributions uh, within it, there's a set of videos within it as well, are just fantastic. The people are fantastic who've contributed. So we do hope that the church in the UK will make good use of that. And there'll be lots more resources coming online next year too. Okay, and where can people get hold of those uh, resources if they're interested in following through? Well, if they go to our website, which is www.thepublicleader.com, they can find it on there. Okay, and I've had a look at that, and it says public leadership be a, a voice for good, and there's a, a load of resources there in terms of workshops and uh, book reviews and a course and uh, information about how you can get involved in being a, a leader in, in, in public life. Um, Dave, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast uh, today. That's fascinating. Love the work that you guys are doing to uh, support people who are working out their calling in, in whatever place place that God has uh, placed them, the way you're building confidence and encouraging uh, them. So appreciate uh, everything you guys are doing. And, and thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for listening today. Do get in touch and let us know what you think by emailing hello at forge-leadership.com or visiting our website forge-leadership.com.